0: We are continuing in our series Exploring Faith and Science with this week on healing. Uh, Would you hear the word of God from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 23 to 25? Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria. And they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. In this series, I'm encouraging us to engage with Uh, our faith and and to think through our experiences and to mature and develop. And and sometimes, you know, the things that we know to be true as we get older are not necessarily the um, starting place that we teach our kids because kids have to learn in their own way and learn for themselves and experience and develop. And so some of the hardest questions of faith we don't necessarily begin with uh, for our kids. And so on the topic of healing Uh, I can't help but name before we get into this topic that I know that there are those who have experienced healing in their lives and rejoice and celebrate and are happy and love the topic, and I also know that there are those who did not experience healing, who lost people who are dear to them, uh, and who grieve and who struggle with what is it uh, to pray for healing, what is it to call God a healer uh, in the midst of a painful world, and so, I want us to begin by getting the scale of the challenge. If we're going to talk about healing and if we're going to talk about life, we have to talk about what that is on the backdrop of. What is the scale and the challenge in which healing and life emerge? And so I know when we talk about science and faith, um, oftentimes one of the very first places people go, and they're really hung up on, well, how did humans get here? And so there's this mechanical question, and people get uh, they have a hard time with the mechanics of how humanity emerges in the universe and what God's role in the midst of that and how God brought it about. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly not super concerned on that topic. That's not one that, that keeps me up at night. Uh, I marvel at the fact that somehow when I eat Taco Bell, God uh, makes that food a part of my life and gives me energy and somehow I live my day and the mechanics of how we how we interact in the world and live uh, are miraculous. Um, The question that keeps me up when we think about the science of how did humans get here and how does the world work, uh, it's not about the mechanics of mutations. It's how much death there is in the process. I mean, there's a reason why when science talks about the survival of the fittest, like the backdrop of life is that survival is not easy. If you think about the grand scale of the cosmos, how uninhabitable almost the entirety of it is. Uh, the only place we know for certain that life can exist right now is on Earth in this moment, you know? Uh, but if you think about the, the kind of vacuum of space, of what is it to live in the midst of that? What is it to live amongst stars and black holes and comets and meteors? And the world is... Like, the universe is dangerous. It's, it's hard to survive. And even in a place like our uh, wonderful planet in which life has diversity and uh, surprises us, it is not always easy to survive. And I want to go back to a picture uh, in the past to show how hard it is to survive. Uh, if you do a study of what happened to dinosaurs, And it was a question that really intrigued scientists for a long time and actually hasn't gotten a more clear answer until the last 40, 50 years. But what was the the answer? We have all these bones of these giant creatures that of course were at the top of their food chain and yet somehow they all disappeared. What happened to them? And so uh, what scientists started to postulate and then find was that in the Yucatan Peninsula, on the edge of the, uh, on the edge of Mexico, there was a giant meteor impact, and the science dates it to about 65 and a half million years ago. Uh, the impact was from a meteor that seems to be about six miles in diameter, which crashed and released two million times more energy than the strongest nuclear bomb that we have detonated. The impact of such meteor caused burning of the earth's surface, wildfires worldwide, the world in darkness as clouds of dust blocked the sun, earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, and the part that is just impossible for me to imagine, miles-high tsunamis. And suddenly, it wasn't ideal to be a giant creature to survive uh, this cataclysmic event. Suddenly the small creatures who could burrow under the ground and survive off of less food were what was able to survive in the midst of such destruction. And while that's obviously a cataclysmic scale event, we know people struggle through diseases and wildfires and all sorts of natural disasters and human-caused disasters all of the time. And what is it to say that God is the God of life and of healing in the midst of such devastating pain? And that's not a new question, though the science of it gives us new elements to add to this question. But the odyssey of how do I understand God in the midst of suffering and and evil is an age-old question. And I want us to get into this discussion today with a reminder of what the God of Scripture is said to be about. You know, a few weeks back we talked about the flood and we talked about flood as a genre of old stories in which the gods in the Mesopotamian area were said to dislike humanity, find them irritating, find them too loud, and and decided we need to get rid of those humans. But the God of the Bible didn't like wickedness, that the pain and the corruption and the violence of the world grieved God and that God wants a good creation. And inevitably in the story, it leads to God saying, I'm never doing this kind of activity. You have my promise, I'm not going to wipe you all out. That God wants life, wants it to flourish, wants it to grow, In the Tower of Babel story, it's don't get into one spot, go fill the earth, be fruitful, multiply. And if you jump all the way to the end of our canonical Bible, you get to the image of new creation, of new heaven and new earth, of things renewed and restored and life somehow being championed by God in the midst of all forces of violence and corruption. And it is no surprise then that we see that same desire for good, for life, for healing in the ministry of Jesus himself. Sometimes we kind of We like to simplify things down and uh, maybe we kind of make Jesus' mission only in one kind of sense and maybe our language about salvation, we tend to just think about innocent or guilty and we forget the aspects of God renewing, transforming, restoring creation and getting us from our corrupted systems and selves into the way that God desires us to be in the world and to live in the world. And so in this text that we read from today, uh, we have this beautiful picture of Matthew in which Jesus is, we get this kind of summary statement, what kind of ministry, what kind of mission was Jesus about? And it said that he was going throughout Galilee, so it's not like he just had his one little spot. If you happen to be here, I'm going to heal you or I'm going to teach you here, but like he's going around the area He's teaching in their synagogues. He's proclaiming good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Some people might, you know, as you get to the extremes of the conversation, might be like, well, why care about curing them? Like, we just care about the eternal state. And I want to remind, we've, we've had some sermons in the past where we've talked about, you know, every person that Jesus heals in these stories still dies later in these stories. We don't have the story later of them dying, but like, Their life matters in that moment, and God and Jesus still have compassion of their experience in that moment. That this life and this moment still matters to God. It's not only about eternal perspective, but the kingdom is here at hand, right now. And Jesus is bringing healing to people in this area, and so so it says that his fame spreads throughout the region, through all of Syria. And they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted in various diseases and pains, uh, such as um, also demoniacs, epileptics, epileptics, sorry, and paralytics, and he cured them. And the fame of Jesus is spread, and people uh, who see Jesus' ministry think, I need to bring the sick to him. Not just, I'm going to feel great about hearing some good teaching today, but I want life. I want healing. I want to be free of these pains. I think we should go see Jesus today. And so they bring people of all sorts of diseases. And it says that great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Jesus's ministry uh, was overflowing to those around him. It wasn't Are you in my end crowd only? Uh, But everyone who gets brought to him, Jesus is in the process of teaching, pronouncing the kingdom, and healing. And I feel like we should take some teaching, some insight from the way that Jesus cares about healing people, everyday people in the world around him. If anybody should care about healing those in our community... About healthcare access, about supporting um, the lives of those around us. It should be Christians who follow a Jesus who brought healing to those who are around him. Not just the everlasting stamp, but the right here one too. And you think about Jesus not kind of deciding, well, let me see what status you have in society and decide whether you deserve to be healed by me today. The leper who people wanted to stay away from, who no one would touch, Jesus heals the leper. You know that it doesn't matter your spot in society, but Jesus felt you had dignity and deserved to be a part of God's healing uh, in this world. And that healing was never meant to be stay in one spot, but to go and be a part of the greater story of the world. Uh, the ones that the apostles would take up in Acts and go on to new lands and new places. But we sometimes struggle to live this out to offer it up to people around us. And when I talked about the violence and the pain and the suffering that we experience, uh, it's hard to imagine uh, the amount of pain that always exists each and every day. I was looking at the infant mortality rate. Uh, So in the U.S., last year being the last year that we have a full calendar year for stats, In 2019, in the U.S., for every 1,000 births, um, 5.56, so a little over 5.5 children uh, would not make it through birth who would die. And that's actually a much better rate than it used to be. With medical advancements and care, uh, there's more survival rates, more life uh, in the midst of the, the birth process. Uh, But there is a disparity in those mortality rates. It doesn't equally affect all people because we don't have equal access. Uh, If you want comparisons of our region in Canada, that that rate is 4.25, so a little over four people per 1,000 births um, that pass. In Mexico, it's 12. And almost every uh, country in in Europe is kind of under our level of of losing less than five people per 1,000 births. But the global rate... Is close to 29 deaths per thousand births. Uh, Now that is better than in 1990 when the global rate was about 65 deaths per thousand births. But each of those people have a family who grieves over each one who is lost. In the country of Nigeria, 74 uh, children die per thousand births. That's quite different than the five here. And I think the life and the ministry of healing that Jesus calls to is to care about every life, to care about providing healing and opportunities and health to all people. And we can see the disparity easily by knowing how many doctors there are per person in our societies. In the Americas, just let's say uh, North and South America, there are about 417 people per doctor, In Europe, it's just under 300. In Africa, it is 3,324 people per doctor. You are not going to get the same kind of health care when there's only one doctor per over 3,000 people. Part of what I hope we hear today is that healing is not only, we're going to get to bigger picture healing, but healing right now matters and everyday lives matters. And that Jesus, it was a huge part of his ministry to be about the healing of people who were in pain and those who were struggling. And we should care about the healing of people this moment. Because if we don't care about the healing of people right now, why would anybody believe us that we care about their long-term eternal healing? We should show it by caring about their healing today. I really stress the healing today because I think we've all fallen trapped to something that's happened philosophically in the last couple hundred years, that miracles have been defined for us in a way that the church has bought into it too. Uh, David Hume is famous for kind of rejecting God and rejecting miracles and the supernatural and things like that. And what he did was he defined miracles as only violating the laws of nature and science. So only miracles are things that violate physics. When we buy into that, we stop seeing God at work in the everyday. That healing that happens in our lives, if we just cut all of it out from God and only make it something that we couldn't explain, we've taken God out of the process of life Uh, that is most of our life. And... We, we, we start pushing God out of the box of all of our lives and putting God in just the smaller little box. And as we learn the explanations of what happens in our world, we start shrinking that box until God has very little place in our lives. But God is a part of everyday life that anything survives in the vastness of this universe is a celebration and a gratitude and a thanks to God that life exists. And that we have a life that we're able to consciously think about it and marvel at it, and question and challenge. And so I hope that we can see God at work in the everyday healing. And I love trying to explain to our, our four-year-old when she has a cut, and you're like, isn't it marvelous that, that God has created this world in which your, your skin is going to heal itself? You know, that the, the blood systems, that everything is going to work to heal here. Uh, there's such amazing everyday healing Uh, And we lose out if we don't celebrate God in the midst of that healing. But ultimately, we long for a healing that we know is beyond what is the everyday. Because for many of us, healing is just about resetting to whatever our optimum thing is. Um, Healing is probably different based on your age, right? I mean, healing, if you're small, you seem to bounce really back fast, and healing seems um, great. But what is it to heal as you get older and what is kind of resetting back to whatever your optimum is. And it changes over time because we're not stable. We're we're changing people. But we long for a healing that is something that we know we won't fully see here and now. That when we set our eyes only to the present and we don't ever look forward, we still lose out on the scope of what God is doing in the world. Sometimes that change is slower than we want. I imagine just about every disciple and every apostle feels like uh, things are moving a lot slower than they expected, knowing that we are 2,000 years after them. Um, But we have this hope that somehow God brings about life even in the face of death. That is the cross and Easter stories of, of somehow through death, new life happens, and that that new life will somehow move us closer, and move us into that image that God desires us to be. The Gospels and and the the Bible has all sorts of language for trying to talk about this mystery, and each one has a different way of talking about it, because we don't have perfect language for exactly telling you what that's going to look like. But, you know, even the Gospels, these post-resurrection scenes of Jesus Jesus is physically saying, Hey, touch my hands, touch my scars. He's eating meals with them, and yet he's also like showing up into the middle of a locked room and and seemingly moving through walls, or people can't recognize him, or he's ascending into the sky. And and what on earth that means and looks like is still shrouded in mystery from this vantage point. But we all, as Christians, join in the hope that there is a life and a healing that is beyond just the everyday that there is one that we can hope that eventually all that is broken, all that is angry and violent, all that is impatient and greedy, that God might turn our spirits towards what God intended for us to be. And so in the midst of the chaos and the violence and the death, the question is what vantage point we look at the world with. Do we look at it marveling at the beauty of life, the beauty of, of goodness emerging in the midst of the chaos, that in the midst of a completely chaotic first century scene in which um, the Jewish state is arguing about how do they want to handle Rome? Do we accommodate them? Do we uprise against them? Uh, the Roman Empire is trying to squelch rebellions and, and in the midst of all of these differing forces, Jesus comes offering healing to all willing to speak at a a well to someone he's not supposed to speak to in society. Uh, Jesus comes violating the expectations of norms of what a king should act like and ultimately wants to bring life and life abundant uh, for all. And somehow we've missed that big message and that we think of God as the God in the sky who wants to bring just, wants to reign violence and judgment In John 3.16, that's kind of like the most famously quoted verse, but it's God so loved the world, not God so hated the world. And God so loved the world that he wants all who believe in him to have everlasting life and not to perish. And yet, where do we see God in the world? Do we see God in the healing? Do we see God in the midst of the brokenness? Do we long for that moment in which healing is fully present and fully uh, lived. And so I want to encourage us, when you pray, pray with hopefulness. But know that we aren't yet to the fulfillment of God's vision. We aren't at the end point yet. And so that prayer might not answered in this moment, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't care and be compassionate and moved and desire for the healing of everyday people in the midst of everyday struggles. And so, not only should we look with care and compassion at those who are in pain around us, and we should lead in that, and we should lead in showing that we care about people's health, which comes up quite often right now in society— Do I care about the health of those around me? Do I care for their healing? And if I care about their healing right now, I should also care about their healing long-term and beyond this moment. And do I care about helping walk them through the announcement of the gospel that Jesus proclaims in Matthew, that yes, is about healing, it is also about teaching, it is about hope in a greater healing. In church, western kind of church world, we we call that kind of sanctification of of becoming more like uh, God has called us out to be, to be more Christ-like. Do we cultivate long-term healing as well? And so I just ask that you would consider seeing God at work everywhere that you see life in the midst of the struggle with the violence and the destruction that is so prevalent. Do we celebrate life at the birth of children and celebrate and thank God for new life? Do we take it for granted? Do we take our own lives, our, those of those around us, our pets, our, you know the, the creatures that we, we encounter on everyday life? Do we take after the divine gardener who cultivates a creation in the midst of, of a lot of pain? Do we care to be like, the gardeners we were created to be, to till the soil, to to name the animals, to to be about life and to shun the forces uh, that cause destruction. So what will we choose? Will we choose to be agents of pain or agents of healing and follow after God's lead in our lives? Would you join me in prayer? Lord, you know the struggles that each person who is worshiping with us is experiencing. Some of those seem especially grand and painful. Uh, There are those who are on the the edge who don't know where their housing will be, who don't know how to pay the next bill. There are those on, on the edge who who don't see how life might be possible. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, shine wisdom and peace and healing into the midst of the pain. And Lord, we know that there are some who are comfortable, who don't see that pain as closely, as, as vividly. We ask that you would give eyes for those of us who are comfortable to see the pain and the struggling of those around us, that we might want to be a part of your healing for their lives, both here and now and beyond. Lord, help us to be a people that, that cares about you more than just because I want a label that says I follow you, but, but that want to be healed, that want to be transformed into your image and not our own. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray. Amen.